Welcome to Growing Up 80s, a podcast where two friends talk about the things that we loved as kids growing up in the 80s and that we still enjoy today. Now, Robin, yeah, just because we loved it in the 80s, does it mean that the thing had to only exist in the 80s? No, of course not. Good, because today we're talking about detectives. Yeah, and I think we are going to probably focus on detectives of the 80s. No, yes. not, not even necessarily. Well, not even 80s. detectives of the 80s, but our experience with detectives in the 80s. Exactly. Well said. Yes. Yeah. How we knew of detectives. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have an idea. Like, we have not talked anything about what's going to be going on in this episode. So oh, I have. Don't like, tell them that. Well, we haven't talked with each other about it yet. This is this is what makes our, our podcast great is we just come at each other with these strange ideas like, I didn't know you were going to talk about that. Oh, yeah. I didn't know you were going to talk about that. You can't say that on the podcast. And then we start <laughs> fighting. And it's great. That's yeah. what people love about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. This this should be fun. We'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. But seeing as this is your idea, I'm going to let you drive, at least at the beginning, and then I might get very excited about things and take over. But for now, you may have the wheel. Yeah. So, like, I was thinking of all the things that we were into in the 80s, I mean, you got your superheroes, Mm -hmm. right? You got the, like, the TV shows you watch. But one of the coolest things to me back then was being a detective or this idea of a detective. Yeah. And- a lot of it came through books, mm-hmm. but then also TV and, yep, uh, and sure. a little, little bit of video games and so mm-hmm. on. Yep. Um, but I think for me, books are where detectives were really at. So we're, we're not going to try and provide a summary of uh, every fact you should know about no. detective. No, no. What we're talking about is what we were in, you and I were into. So I want to start with... R and R Detective Agency. What a great place to start. <laughs> Which is me, Robin, and my buddy Ron, or maybe it was Ron and Robin. We're not Well, the beauty of it was you didn't have to say. <laughs> yes. And so R and R Detective Agency was supposedly our detective agency. And yeah. where of course we never were Nobody hired you? Nobody hired us or anything like that, but that was the idea. And I assume we we primarily got that from Encyclopedia Brown. Sure. And probably from Alfred Hitchcock's Three Investigators. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Uh, I've got here The Mystery of the Laughing Shadow and... The other major one was the Hardy Boys. Yep. All those books. And I also had a book called The Know-How Book of Detection. Yes. Do you have that too? It's on my list. So we got all these books we could talk about. Yep. And and I think we can get to TV and video games later. But maybe let's start start with books. Let's start with the books, yes. Yeah. Can can we talk just a little bit about... R&R Detective Agency. Yeah. I'm sure it comes to you as no surprise that I felt pretty left out <laughs> about not being in 
the R&R detective agency. I don't, I, I'm not sure we've ever had this discussion, Darren. This might be a I bit don't, awkward. I don't think we have. Well, no, I don't, I don't want you to feel awkward about it. You know, if your conscience is like twinging now, you know, maybe you want to like make amends for it or something. I don't know. But don't, don't let me make you feel bad for leaving me out as a child who, you know, really loved detectives as well. And, you know, my, my two really good friends just started a detective agency and didn't include me in it. Yeah. I don't even know how that happened. But besides pointing this out, what did you want to talk about, R&R Detective Agency? Well, you know, I, I always thought that, you know, if you ever did invite me to become part of the detective agency... <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, that never crossed your mind, probably. I guess eh? it didn't. Yeah. But I thought that, you know, you know, it was a good name, R&R, you know, because it's not, it's, is it Robin and Ron? Is it Ron and Robin? Well, you don't have to say. Well, if if Darren was part of it, it could be R-D-R, and I could be in the middle, and no, I wouldn't be stepping on anybody's toes that way. It's, it's nice. It's kind of palindromic that way. You know, it's it kind is. of nice, you know. It is. You know, it it, it kind of sounds like hardy-har. It's R-D-R. You know, there's, there'd be a lot of, you know, a lot of benefits for, you know, well, you're asking make... me to become a partner in the detective agency. And... Well, you're, you're making a very compelling case here, but um, I, I, <laughs> I sort of think we, we would have to have Ron on this call uh, to, oh. you know, to really bring you in. So, yeah. so basically. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> I, I'd given it some thought <laughs> and apparently, you know, 40 years later, I, I, I still remember these thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess it didn't occur to me that we were excluding you and that. No, no. That why we would, would it, finally why start... would it occur to you? <laughs> no. <laughs> So, so you wanted to talk about R and R, but really, what you wanted to do is was try to ask to get invited. No, 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 no. You're misunderstanding me completely. Oh, oh. I was just telling you that you know, I felt left out. <laughs> oh. You do with that which you want. <laughs> Poor I always thought that all that R and R detective agency did was run around and chase. Kevin and Dustin at, at recess. I thought that was kind of like part of your activities. Well, that may have been. That, yeah, they that, were kind of like your nemesises. Yeah, so maybe that's all we ever got around to doing was chasing those kids. Might have been different if I was in the... You think you, think you would have... Yeah, we, we would have actually caught them had it been RDR. Maybe it would have got some real cases too, I don't know. Yeah. Well, did you get any cases? Like, no, I, I wasn't part of the detective agency. Well, no, but didn't you yeah. have like your own? No, that 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 I'm not a loser. <laughs> I wouldn't start up my own detective agency just because my I friends think, didn't invite me into theirs. I think I remember you making no, business no, cards so. for. Oh no, no, there's no business cards. <laughs> and the briefcase that my grandfather gave me, I certainly didn't use as my mobile detective agency office. Yeah, yeah, and you had that trench coat. Oh, and that year, that, <laughs> yeah, that Ron no, and that, I, that, we I were was the a spy. We were the I was, <laughs> I was selling counterfeit Atari cartridges. I wasn't a detective. That's not what I was. <laughs> I get the hint. Eh? I'm pretty no. sure you're a detective. That <laughs> maybe I was that year. Yeah, yeah. For Halloween, 
for Halloween. I don't, I don't remember that. Uh, well, I seem to have way. a picture of. Yeah, I, yeah, that's right. That's right. You and Ron decided to dress up as Ghostbusters, and you didn't. You didn't <laughs> tell me tell that's you. what the plan was. And that's, that's right. When yeah. you became now, the detective. Yeah, it's like, hey, I'm ready, guys. I'm <laughs> detective. No. Oh, no, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Right. You didn't let me know about that either. Yeah. Detectives yeah. were kind of last year, Darren. That was yeah. kind of very 1983. <laughs> and here we are right. in 1984. This is Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was nice podcasting with you today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, we'll talk again sometime, I'm sure. So, uh, maybe. Yep. If you'd like to. Maybe you'd like to talk to have podcasts with Ron instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm okay. You're you're okay about this. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Just wanted to I mean it does remind so what me. Else? Yeah, what okay, else okay. Can we talk about? Right, right. Yeah, there's <laughs> uh okay. Books. Books, yes. Okay. I want to talk about some of my favorite uh favorite detective books. Mm-hmm. Did you, Darren, read Alfred Hitchcock's no. The Three Investigators. No, I I did not. Now, was this a series? Yeah, it was a series. And that's when marketing didn't really seem to understand that you should have like Alfred Hitchcock, Three Investigators, yeah, number, totally. number seven, yeah. the, myth, the Mystery of the Laughing Shadow. But this was so much more dignified. They gave each book its own title, like, you know, the... Mm-hmm. As if this title was the most important Laughing thing. Laughing Shadow. Book. Ooh. Yeah. I will buy that book. Yeah. <laughs> so what I loved about the three investigators, it was like a cool trio of guys. You know, you got the fat one and the nerdy one and, yep. and the fit one. And then Darren. And then Darren. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't like <laughs> That was pretty good, actually. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. You know, you, you could have... I, I won't I walked right into though. that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you also called Ron the nerdy one, but... <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> if I'm the fat one. Um, so, so what was cool about these guys, actually what I loved, the mysteries were always good. There was always... Mm-hmm. It was kind of Scooby-Doo-esque, where it was always yeah. like kind of a haunted thing. That sounds, that sounds right for Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what was the coolest thing about them to me is that they have secret headquarters. Ooh. Yeah. And it's the one guy, one of the guys, I think his uncle or whatever owns a junkyard. Okay. A huge junkyard, right? With the yeah. office and then all the crap and then all the junk, sorry. And <laughs> in there was a trailer, like... You know, a trailer. What, yeah. Like an RV. Like, yeah. Why can't I think of... Like a camping trailer or yeah, something like, like, like that. Yeah, like a motor home. Why, why can't I think of what... The kind that you live in. A mobile home? But yeah, but not probably not with an engine. Well, mobile homes don't have engines. You just kind of park them in the mobile home park? Like, is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah, like a trailer this kind. A, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Like, but like you take it out camping and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, okay. What do we it's call that? It's called a camper trailer. Camper trailer. Sure. Anyway, they got this kind of trailer thing, but it's yeah. buried in the junkyard. See, this is why you were no good with your detective agency. Because <laughs> I didn't know anything. There See, you go. <laughs> I didn't have words. I didn't have words for anything. Okay, that was a really dumb way to say it. Anyway, this guy, junkyard, hidden trailer with yep. secret entrances 
Ooh. in the junkyard that nobody would ever know about. But inside there, they got like the science lab and oh, the yeah. and the communications and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like an awesome, awesome secret base. Yeah. And then they would go off to, you know, like have their actual detective. Thing. Oh, and they had this butler. They had a butler? With, yes, with a Rolls Royce. Nice. Who would drive them everywhere. And it's not because they're rich. It's because one of the guys won a contest. Yeah. That he would get this butler for like a year or two or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Like he would just, they'd be one of the clients or whatever. So that is an awesome setup. Could you, like for me, it's like, of course I want to be one of the three investigators because yep. they have like the best I know secret base. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they had this best secret base and they got this butler that can drive yeah. them in the limo. So cool. Now you were reading these books, obviously as a, as a kid in the eighties, when, when were these books written? Cause they kind of look like they might've had a little bit of length to their years already. Uh, this particular one was from 69. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they were written sixties or seventies Yeah. and, uh, I was reading them. Yeah. In the eighties. Now, now I seem to recall that Alfred Hitchcock presents the television show, you know, that was made in, I believe the, the sixties too, but it was like in syndication in the eighties and stuff like that. And we could watch that after school. And so, you know, I was familiar a little bit with Alfred Hitchcock and his kind of mix of horror slash mystery type stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. But no, never read any of his kids books. Yeah. Cool. So that's the best, that was the thing for me. Mm -hmm. Did you have any other books you want to talk about or we'll keep going? Well, I don't know if, if we really need to go too deep into Encyclopedia Brown, but Encyclopedia Brown yeah. was the detective stories that I read. Like I know that Ron also had like all the Hardy Boy books. Yeah, there you go. Encyclopedia Brown carries on. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, let's talk about Encyclopedia Brown a bit. I don't think I owned any of the Encyclopedia Brown books, but my grandmother would take me to the library every week. And so for a while there, every week, just get a, a couple new Encyclopedia Brown books and read them through and really enjoyed them. And you know what? Encyclopedia Brown, uh, was it Donald J. Sobel? Or what's the fellow's name yes. who wrote it? Yeah, that's right. Donald it J. Is, yeah, Sobel. look at that. See? I got the memory of a detective, too. You do. It would have been an asset to somebody who was... <laughs> R&R. &R. Yeah. But anyway, you know, he was he was a good writer in that he made the, the mysteries just right on that edge of most, you know, seven-year-old or eight-year-old, whatever they are, probably eight, whatever age you are when you're reading Encyclopedia Brown, just right on the edge where sometimes you'd get them, sometimes you wouldn't, you know, and, and you'd always feel, you'd never feel really cheated with the solutions when you'd read them at the end and stuff like that. And I thought it was such a successful series over the years. Do you have dates in that book? Like, cause they were written in the maybe late seventies and continued in the eighties. That yeah, sound this, right? right. Yeah. This particular one, Encyclopedia Brown Carries On, which is, I think, the first one I ever owned, mm -hmm. is from 1980. I'm not sure if they were all like this, but at least this mm -hmm. one had 10 mysteries in it. Yeah. Yep. So each mystery would be between, you know, five, 10 pages yep. in length. Yeah. Yep. 
And for anybody who hasn't read them, yeah, you would try to figure out the solution and then you would get told like what, Mm -hmm. you know, the, what was it? Every short stories would always kind of end with encyclopedia Brown, you know, whispered to his father, the, 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 the police inspector, the solution if you want to, and that's kind of it. And then you can turn to the back of the book to read what he whispered if, you know, or you try to figure it out yourself and, and figure out if you got it right. Yeah. Like here's the end of one. Uh, his parents looked at Encyclopedia Brown puzzled. The key wasn't taken to the dump, said Encyclopedia. It's still where Salvatore put it. And then in big, bold letters, what made Encyclopedia so sure? And then there yes, you go. the solution. It's the uh, curiosity the gap. Yeah. Yep. And and I always found these books just adjacent to the Choose Your Own Adventure and mm-hmm. game books that I love yep. so much because of that sort of interactivity. Oh, yeah, totally. In you yeah. were involved in it. Yeah. 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 It was expected that you would do something to contribute to the resolution of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Do your kids read your Encyclopedia Brown books? Yeah, at least they did when they were younger. Some of the yeah. stuff I kind of handed out to the kids in a particular year mm-hmm. and then they they read it and then I get yep. them back and then I forget that, you know, the next kid or the next kid right. would be interested in it. So yeah. some of them have read them and some of them have not. Yeah. Yeah, we, we got the full set. At, well... I don't know. I think that we had about either six or eight Encyclopedia Brown books that we gave to to the boys um, when it was kind of at their age level to read them. And yeah, I think they enjoyed them. They didn't come back to them over and over like I did when I was a kid. Okay, you've pulled it out. That's great. The Know How Book of Detection. Okay. I've got, I don't have a copy of it. I do have the Know How Book of Spycraft. But I pulled, yeah. out, I pulled out my copy of the Know How Book of Detection, or at least uh, I'm borrowing it on the Internet Archive right now. Okay, and I've been flipping through it today. Yeah. yeah. So this man, these are I great. had I loved all those books, and I yeah. never owned them. They're all just library. It was like I just saw the back covers. You kind of yeah. open it up there, like that puppetry book there, and Paper Fun, and oh yeah, all that stuff. The Experiments book. Yeah. I love those. Like I almost always had one of those know-how books out from the library for uh, at one point in the time. Yeah. You know, the, it was just always in rotation, one of them. Yeah. So this is right. It's a series of books called the know-how, the, the know-how series. Yeah. Uh, with camel case, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Uh, know-how, know-how being yeah. one word. And they were by Usborne or Usborne mm-hmm. that, you know, how great were their books, right? They just, oh yeah, over and over again, they produced the best kids' books for nerds like you and me. Oh yeah, for sure. Like amazing. So yeah, yep. this, this particular one about being, about, <laughs> of detection. Yes. <laughs> um, is full of great comics. Yeah. It's got all these illustrations and... Yeah, and, and really it, it is walking you through somewhat realistically the job, mm-hmm. but, yep. you know, of course, in a fun, fun, fanciful way. Yeah. Uh, like this identification kit. Yes. Uh, can you see? Oh, yeah. 
describe it to the listeners there. So what you've got for the face ID kit is you've got, you know, three or four different face shapes that you can choose from on a page. And then you've got basically your eyes would go here, your nose would go here, your mouth would go here. Pick, um, you know, a little drawing on a, on a piece of paper and slide it in so that you can have so basically you can make up the face you can pick the different types of hair and ears that belong on it or somebody's got a big bushy beard you could stick that on the chin (laughs) basically cut out all these pieces and or draw them on a piece of paper and cut them out and you can build your own face uh id kit you you don't need a professional police artist yes to come in and do something like that and then this uh fingerprint kit yeah and this is stuff that like I learned from these books, like all these little things on, on how detectives operate, you know, by taking a little bit of baby powder and sprinkling it where there may be oil left behind on the fingerprints and then using the cellophane tape to lift the print off, the powder off, and you've got it. It's like, well, I totally did that all the time, <laughs> but I did. I, I like, I remember having that book out one particular week when I was out at my grandparents' camp on Lake Superior, and I would just like try lifting fingerprints from like the fridge and from glasses <laughs> and from mirrors. Like, yeah, I was doing it all over the place. Darren, why is there like baking powder or whatever you flour all over the bathroom? Oh, I was I was trying to get the fingerprints off the mirror. <laughs> Go play in the lake. I learn how to be a detective. One day they'll let me in. One day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm practicing for when Robin and Ron invite me into the R&R detective agency. But same with like the, the and like the book of spycraft seemed to dovetail really well with the book of detection as well. Because, you know, when you're going on your stakeout as a detective, you might be using some of the skills that you're losing, that you're, you've learned from the spycraft book, you know, how to be sneaky and, and disguises and stuff like that too. And the codes and stuff and, ah, wonderful things. Yeah. I think both of them had like big drawings of either the spy's office or the detective's office. And they would just show like, there'd be the maps up on the wall and there'd be the various tools here in the file cabinets and the pictures of the people that they were their suspects. And yeah, I just love that kind of stuff. And like, they would have like the words, you know, describing what all the parts in the room and all the techniques they use with the arrows down to it. Good stuff. And everything, everything was all really well illustrated. Like nothing was just a big block of text without an yeah. illustration right and lots of bold colors just you know very appealing for a kid too yeah yeah love those books they did kids books right and we've talked about like many of their um uh how to program type books yeah. and stuff that we were into as well yeah Usborne, yeah. wonderful stuff yeah their computer books are fantastic so one more thing about the Usborne book if i think i remember this correctly there was also a, a narrative going through the detective the detective book as well, right? Yes. Because they were kind of on the trail of this this lady, this fancy lady had hired them for some sort of case. You know, you wouldn't know what that's about because you never got hired for a case. <laughs> um, but as you'd go through the book, learning about all the different techniques that they would use on the case, um, at, it was kind of a narrative story. And at the end, you kind of, there was kind of a reveal as well. Yes. And you kind of learned what happened, yeah. So yeah, the, the story was used as a vehicle and then it would focus on each step yeah. with kind of an instructional, fairly real world yeah. uh, example. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. 
So the last story or, or the last series is the Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I love the Hardy Boy books. Um, the adventures were great, mm-hmm. but that's not what I've got here uh, for what I picked. Oh, you've got the Hardy Boys Detective Handbook, Authentic Detective Methods for Solving Mysteries. Yeah. So Those are, what a couple of clean cut boys. Aren't they? They are. They, they would not have like gone to Woodstock. Never. Or taken drugs or listened to rock music. That's right. Well, that's probably their their dad right there. There he is. Shaking his, shaking their hand. Yeah. So, yeah, even better than, like, as much as I like the Hardy Boys fiction, mm-hmm. give me a Hardy Boys reference book. Oh, yeah. And I am there. Like, sure this you is, would be. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a hardcover book that from the outside looks just like a regular Hardy Boys book. It would fit on your shelf. Even the spine kind of is somewhat yeah. similar to the other ones. Yeah, and it actually does have some fiction, some story in it. Oh, yeah. But it also got really nerdy and like it's got a whole section about fingerprints, yeah. for example, you yeah, know, right about, about them and yeah. um, all the different types, like the language to describe fingerprints. Mm-hmm. With loops and swirls and yeah. arches. And, and whorls. Yeah. Plain arch. Tented arch, radial loop, ulnar loop. Mm. Wow. An accidental whorl. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, fingerprint clues, uh, identification. Yeah, it basically, it's a really nerdy book going through all the things. How to perform a stakeout, is that kind of stuff in there too? <laughs> Criminal slang and legal terminology. Ooh. So you got to learn those criminals, yeah. they have their own language and you got to learn it to defeat them. That's yeah. right. Yeah, there's an undercover work section. Oh, and the crime mm-hmm. scene search, surveillance. Yep, the, the yeah. stakeout. Wow, and this book is from 1959. Wow, but I was, that sounds about right. But I was right. reading it in the 80s. Now, were, were most of the Hardy Boy books written in the, in the 50s? Oh, you, you keep you asking these questions, I got to look up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to keep it to our experience, Darren. Right. I'm just curious. Oh, wow. Though, I want to know. Okay, okay. Yeah, the first books were actually written back in 1927. Wow. Uh, 38 to 42. Oh, apparently there were some other books written from 38 to 42 where they're using like gadgets, futuristic gadgets and stuff. The mm-hmm. weird period. Okay. Yeah. And then they were all revised starting in 1959. They okay. kind of went through the books and updated them. And of course there's Nancy Drew too. And I would read a bit of yep. that, but you know, that was, that was for yep. girls. That's but right. I did, I actually did read some. That Franklin Dixon. Is that the author's name there? Yeah. He sure wrote a lot of books. He was a very prolific author <laughs> doing a lot of hard work that Franklin He was Dixon. a very hardworking guy. Yeah. All by himself. Yep, just that one guy. What a legacy he left behind that very real person. Of Franklin yep. W. Dixon. Okay. Yes. Yes, right. it was ghostwriters. <laughs> we'll say that for people who get yes. upset with us. 
Don't be upset with us. Oh, it was actually Edward Stratemeyer who originally wrote them. And his syndicate, yes. Yeah. And, cool. And it was Leslie McFarlane. Oh, yeah, a Canadian. Hmm. Who wrote a very large number of them. Those are the books that really come to mind. I'm yeah. sure there were other detective yep. books, but those are the ones that really influenced me. And actually, what, what I realized was that almost my fictional-based conception of what a detective is mm-hmm. barely included that detective was an actual real job mm-hmm. at that the police did. Oh, yeah. Like that detective was a proper yeah. title yeah. in a police force. All my, <laughs> you know, fantasy detective yeah. world was almost exclusively based around kids. Sure. Unauthorized kids. Yeah. Just... Or like just the private investigator type yeah. guy. Or the private yeah. investigator. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And... I think who would want to work in a police department? (laughs) Too many rules. I think I was almost even unaware that was a real profession in that way. Me too. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, The only way I kind of knew was because like the Hardy Boys dad, I don't even remember if he was a real detective or, Mm -hmm. but he worked for the police anyway. Yeah. And same with Encyclopedia's dad, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in both cases, it's kind of like, oh yeah, it's the dad. Uh, yeah. who also kind of legitimizes mm-hmm. what what the kids do. And actually in that sense, uh, Inspector Gadget, Yeah, I think we, oh yeah, well, we were going to talk about TV, yeah. but it's the idea that uh, a very common theme was that the kids are the ones actually doing most of the work mm-hmm. and then the adults are taking taking credit for it. Even the Hardy Boys dad just seemed to always just show up near the end of the book. Yeah. And he was there. Oh, now we can make it official. We can actually arrest the criminals that yeah. Frank and Joe have done all the work to catch. Yeah. And now dad shows up and saves the day. <laughs> okay. So, so TV shows, Darren, tell me some oh, detective. Well, you got your Miami Vice. Yeah. You know, those in the Vice Squad. You've got Simon and Simon. Oh, yeah. Living on a boat. <laughs> um, yes. You've got Magnum P.I. Yeah. With his butt. Driving the Ferraris. Ferrari oh, and yeah. the helicopter. Helicopter. And he had a yeah. butler, too. Kind of. Is he not a butler? Yeah. What, is, what was... Well, Higgins... Higgins, You yeah. know, Higgins took care of Robin Masters' estate. Oh, and that's right. Magnum just lived in the guest house. <laughs> and so there, there was always like the head button. It's like, I'm not your butler. Yes. I, you know, I'm not your servant. In fact, I'd rather you not be here. I'm take. And of course, you know, was Higgins really Robin Masters? Uh, we didn't know that, you know. Yeah. I think we, I think at the end, I think the final episode, like we were trying, I think they tried to let us know without actually saying that, yes, Higgins is Robin Masters. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, all sorts of of great, you know, adult television detective entertainment. Murder She Wrote. Yeah. I, I watched some Murder She Wrote. I never really got it. Who's the old guy? Perry Mason? I, I guess that was more like courtroom drama type stuff. Never got into that. Yeah, yeah. There was some of those like, um, oh yeah, we didn't even mention, we talk about books, we didn't even talk about Sherlock Holmes. I didn't, I didn't really read Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I only tried reading... 
his books a bit and I found them very mm-hmm. dense and difficult at yeah. the, at the time. And also I was never sure if like Encyclopedia Brown, it, it always felt like, yeah, the clues were there. You had to find them. Mm-hmm. Of course they're written for dumb kids like us. Yeah. Yeah. But, like the idea was that you would find them. Like yeah. they weren't really trying to trick you. Yes. And Sherlock yeah. Holmes, it was like, I was trying to bring that mindset to Sherlock Holmes and read it and thinking, well, is, are all the clues that are necessary actually there? Yeah. And, and the way that Sherlock Holmes operates, unless your mind was like Sherlock Holmes, you wouldn't be able to make those kind of deductions and come to the same conclusions he came to. So you, you couldn't solve the mystery in the same way that Sherlock would solve the mystery. Right. If you're wanting to play along at home. You couldn't do that. So there's not the satisfaction of, of the interactivity that the Hardy Boys and Encyclopedia Brown have. Now, did you ever get into any of Agatha Christie's stuff? No, I would always hear the name, but never. Yeah. As an adult, I like maybe about 10 years ago, I think I read just about, well, she wrote a lot. I read a lot of Agatha Christie stuff, a lot of Marple, a lot of Poro, um, and even like a, some of her one-off stuff and Really enjoyed it. Um, not the same kind of uh, detective as a Sherlock Holmes. Um, clues dropped in her writing style, not necessarily clues like the actual clues needed to solve the mystery that you would have in a Hardy, Hardy Boys book or Encyclopedia Brown book for kids, but just in the way that uh, she writes you could pick up on things and and have your suspicions and you could th- you could come to the point where oh i think this is what is really going on and then you'd find out at the end and so it w- it was satisfying in that way right okay <clears throat> but yeah of nothing i read when i was a kid but still enjoyed the mysteries and the detectives <laughs> columbo but a lot of that i just didn't really yeah. watch myself like it no neither did i i guess Kojak. Yeah. Did I, I don't know if those things always seemed a little too grown up to me or they just weren't on TV at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, we were here in Canada and we didn't necessarily have the same access to some of these shows. Yeah, sure. And, and yeah. once like Simon and Simon, it's because they were on during prime time and for a mm-hmm. while, you know, that's when you would watch TV or that's when I would watch TV. Yeah. That's from right. that whatever seven to nine p.m. kind of thing, yeah. Especially like on a Friday or a Saturday night where they were throwing all the all the good shows in, and it seemed like for a while there in the eighties, like you know, if it wasn't like a Falcon Crest or a Dallas type drama, it was a like a detective action kind of show. Yeah, like even like a show like The Fall Guy and stuff that was like primarily action or even the a-team which was primarily action it seemed like there's always an element of mystery to those shows even you know? yes yeah yeah well even like remington steel was essentially oh yeah a detective. yeah for sure so it just seemed for yeah. a while there that's uh, all there was we're, we're yeah. detective shows <laughs> yeah heart to heart heart to heart yeah i think that they solved they were detective well, probably too or something, yeah right yeah yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, right. well, no, we are not going to name every show because, you know. We weren't into them all. We were not into them all. Okay, so my favorite ones, Inspector Gadget. Of course. Just 
dumb cartoon. We've talked. Have we talked about yeah. Inspector Gadget before? Well, anyway, I think we have. Yeah, yeah, on our on our cartoons. Yeah, um, show. So what do we? I guess what was good about Inspector Gadget is that, like, it had the same trope where it's actually the kid and the dog doing mm-hmm. the hard work, but Inspector Gadget himself was still cool because yeah. of all his dumb gadgets and he was a goofy. Yeah, that's right. And the show, and unlike. Hardy Boys, where dad just shows up at the end all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Inspector Gadget is there bumbling through throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny to think like Inspector Gadget makes me think now, of course, we weren't watching it during its original run, but Get Smart was syndicated as well. And that would be like sometimes an after school <laughs> type show that you could watch. And, you know, it's basically, uh, well, it, it isn't Inspector Gadget, but. Don Adams is the same, like the actor from Get Smart is the voice in Inspector Gadget. And yeah, there's, I don't know, watched a bit of that. Enjoyed the new movies with the kids or the new movie with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to think what I would say is my favorite of all those ones we mentioned, like, uh, like the adult ones. Yeah. Magnum PI probably was my favorite. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I like the idea of Miami Vice. Miami Vice was so cool, but it was also a really dark show. Yeah. Um, There's a bit of barrier at entry because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Simon and Simon was pretty cool, but yeah, Magnum P.I. I think was, was where it was at for me too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's right. How, how often detective you're saying about how detective stuff got like injected into every show, right? Because mm-hmm. even like Knight Rider, wouldn't wouldn't that end up being sort of like a detective show every other episode where sure oh yeah yeah and you said the a team and all those would seem to bring those kind of elements into it eh? it was just always for sure uh some sort of espionage or you know trying to figure out who the real bad guy is yeah and so yeah yeah and even macgyver right when yeah oh yeah sure yeah yeah so we are now realizing that every show was a detective, was a detective show. show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, that even reminds me of one of my favorite short-lived shows was The Wiz Kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was a computer, like an 80s computer yep. show. Obviously somewhat inspired by war games and so on. But that was a detective show, essentially. What other topics do you have? There's the vid- there's some vi- a few video games I'd like to talk about. Yeah, and maybe a couple board games. Oh yeah, let's. Do you want to do the board games now? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So of course there was Clue as a kind of a detective, a whodunit type yeah. board game. Yeah. You know, I never really got into Clue. Yeah, I admit because I same thing it. Yeah. It was never like, oh, this is such a great game. What I did think was awesome was the map or the, the, oh, the yeah. game the board. Map is great. The game board. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And moving around. Yeah, that was really neat. And the idea of going around and solving the murder and, and the props and getting the, you know, the weapons and finding the motive, like it sounds really cool, but it really comes down to a game of who has collected just the most information and, and can you make a deduction by a process of elimination? And yeah, so yeah, it never really stuck too much for me, but there were, there's two games, two kind of detective E type games that I really 
did enjoy. One of them was called Scotland Yard. Yeah. Did you ever play Scotland yeah, Yard? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Scotland Yard, um, Scotland Yard being like a, I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to grossly oversimplify what it is, but it's basically the English national um, detective agency. It's like CSIS here in Canada or perhaps the FBI in the States, right? Yeah. Um, but the idea is, you know, there's this bad guy out um, running around the streets of London and it's your job as Scotland Yard to coordinate your detectives to trap the fella. And again, the game board is awesome because it's this great map of the city of London with all the streets and all the tube stops and stuff like that. And so you can take taxis, you can take the underground and you've just got to move your out, out maneuver. It's basically a, a one versus many or many versus one type game. If you've got a bunch of people playing, one person is Mr. X and you're all trying to get him. If it's just one-on-one, then the Scotland Yard side can play all the all the detectives um, searching for Mr. X. So that was a lot of fun. And then while technically not an 80s board game, I just want to throw it out there, and technically not really a detective slash mystery game, it kind of, it falls in the same genre to me is Kill Dr. Oh, yeah, Lucky. Yeah, I figured you'd yeah. have to say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Kill Dr. Lucky is a, a really fun board game that I picked up actually in the 90s. It was put out, uh, James Ernst um, designed it. He's designed lots of great board games and it's just a game of wandering around the mansion. It's kind of the opposite of Clue. It what It's what happened before you play the game of Clue, going around the mansion to try to kill Dr. Lucky. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's set up almost like a reverse clue in that, you know, all the weapons are there for you to use. All the rooms are there for you to go to and you get to kill the guy yeah. <laughs> or at least try to. <laughs> Lots of fun. He's Dr. Lucky. He's so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about video game, detective video games. Yeah. The one that really stands out for me is called The Detective Game. And do you remember mm-hmm. that this is on the Commerce 64? Yes. And it is such a good game. Like, so this game was made in 1986. And, you know, we probably got our first pirated copy in 87 or 88, mm-hmm. maybe. But mm-hmm. it just it just blew me away, this game, because... The presentation of it, you know, you were a mm-hmm. cartoon little detective guy and you're mm-hmm. in this mansion, kind of, you see one room at a time, but it's just got beautiful, smooth scrolling. Oh yeah, it's all presented in this nice, it's a really nice isometric view, but it's not like the standard really cubey view that you often see in yeah. video games. It, the graphics are really nice and really cartoony. Yeah. And the back, yeah, the backgrounds just seem so, so rich and detailed, at least at the time. I know, like, if Mm -hmm. you, if you look at it now, uh, if you didn't, if you didn't see it back then, you're probably looking at it with very objective, critical eyes, and maybe it doesn't stand up so well, but uh, at the time, amazing look to it, and you'd Mm -hmm. wander around, and there were all these NPCs, you know, all these other characters. Yeah that would just wander around freely in this mansion and they would just be moving around 
and you start the game you're just there and then when there's a big reveal i hope this 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 will be a bit of a spoiler but right near the beginning of the game if you haven't played it then i guess don't listen well you'd find out like within about 30 seconds anyway right near the beginning of the game a piano falls and on a character and kills them but the way it's revealed shocked me at the oh, time. Yeah. Like, it was just, yeah. what? A piano? Dead? What? It was so cinematic, too. Like, yes. It, it was a great game, and there's so much atmosphere to it. And as you're walking around, you hear all the footsteps as you're walking. You can hear the rain outside. Yes. When you're in a room with windows, you can. I think you can see the rain outside. You definitely see the flashes yeah, of lightning and hear the thunder. It's so atmospheric. Yeah. And yeah, when the lights go out... Oh. Yes, the lights come back on and there's, I think it's the feet that you see out (laughs) of the base of the piano, right? Yeah, it's like, okay, we're doing a murder mystery (laughs) here. Yeah, and and so you can wander around and interact with things. Like you can search through, it's a big mansion, go in the bedroom, Mm -hmm. search through the drawers, collect evidence, and you can question people. Yeah. Uh, and there are some secret passages you discover, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, false wall or whatever, moving wall. or, And it is just such an amazing game. It had, oh, yeah. uh, it's super rare because it's, it's the very uncommon combination of a good game that did not mm-hmm. sell well. And yeah. it's very hard to get an original copy. I still... I've been trying for years and years. Sure. And still do not have sure. one yet. Um, so that is 100% a game to check out. Definitely. And another game that I own, but I actually haven't played, but it's totally intriguing. So I just want to mention it. It's called mm-hmm. The President is Missing. Mm-hmm. And it's it was released by Cosme and, pro- oh, and yeah. programmed by Paul Norman. The same Paul Norman who made Aztec Challenge. Oh and, yeah, you know he he was just such a uh, <laughs> an amazing programmer who could create like his games were always kind of weird and glitchy. Yeah, yeah. But they were so good. Like in Forbidden Forest was his as well. Yeah, with just yeah. awesome moody music. The graphics weren't technically good, but they were super evocative. Yeah, And the gameplay, you, you kept wanting to play, even mm-hmm. if it was a bit glitchy or whatever. So this is another game that he made in 1988, so a bit later. Okay. Yeah, yeah the president is missing. And basically, the president of the USA has been kidnapped. And you're trying to find out, uh, like, you know, it's terrorists that have, have taken him. And you're trying to find out where he is and the hostages and all this. Mm-hmm. But what was really unique is it's a game, but also has an audio cassette. Oh, yeah. And you have to play the audio cassette as part of the whole interactive experience. Experience, yeah. yeah. And so it's a game. Uh, again, I got a copy, but I've never really sat down and tried to play it. Uh, maybe it'd make a good video. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, obviously this is such uh, a huge space. 
So we would like to hear from our listeners about what aspects of detective they are really into. Yeah. I expect Jason Compton's going to have some, some thoughts for us. (laughs) Well, you know what? I just wanted to throw this out here. There's something about detectives and spies that I think is just, I don't know if it's necessarily universally appealing to kids, but I think it's one of those things that every generation of kids is into like my kids totally into spies and detectives at one point. Right. I think it's just one of those things that as you're growing up and you learn about this kind of stuff, everybody gets into it at, at some point. So whether you grew up in the eighties or not, I'm sure that you've had some sort of uh, at least a passing interest in detectives, if not a full blown, I'm going to be a detective. And (laughs) even if my friends don't invite me to be part of their detective agency. <laughs> yes. So that was good. That was a great topic. I'm glad you came up with that. Detectives. Thank you for joining us on Growing Up 80s. As Robin said, we invite you to share your experiences, thoughts, memories of being a kid and being into detectives with us. You know how to get in touch with us, either at our Patreon, find us on Twitter. I'm at Darren Folds. Robin is at... 8-Bit Show and Tell. Yes, that's right. Yeah, got it right. Um, And you could tweet us both at GUP80s if you want. As we've mentioned, we have a Patreon where for any monthly donation, you can get access to exclusive patron-only content. Um, And you know what? If you don't want to throw in a buck or two, that's okay. Head over there anyway. We've got our extra monthly bonus podcast that is always on our patron feed that's free for anybody to come by. Yeah. But while I'm speaking of patrons, big thanks to all of our patrons, to Mac Russell, to R2, to Apogee79, Michael Dornboss, to Per Olofsson, and special thanks to our extra generous 8-bit backers ian Calhoun, rob o'hara jake mckinley and nathan dagenhart (laughs) how do we end this thing oh yeah check out our youtube for occasional video content you know you you don't i don't know if any summer games 2 stuff is going to show up anywhere but you know best just to check around everywhere just in case something shows <laughs> yeah. up we're probably not gonna make a big announcement about it yeah anyway for robin harbin i am darren folds good night good night robin always waves good night yeah. when he says good night good night anyway somebody's being kind of loud in the kitchen i guess yeah. you can't hear them eh i couldn't yeah okay well that'll just have to do <laughs>